Hello, my name is Roger Henderson. I'm a GP in Dumfries and Galloway, and I also co-host the GP Notebook study groups. Welcome to the GP Notebook podcast, where we discuss bite-sized topics aimed at all those working in primary care. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please follow us to receive notifications about new episodes, and if you like what you hear, please consider leaving a review to help other listeners find us. You can also follow us on Twitter at GP Notebook for more information about new podcast episodes and study groups, and you can follow me there too at Roger the Doctor. Finally, you can visit gpnotebookpodcast.com for podcast episode show notes and gpnotebookeducation.com to find out more about upcoming study group meetings. In this episode, we'll be discussing chronic spontaneous urticaria and its treatment. First of all, let's look at what we mean by urticaria. This is a condition characterised by the presence of wheels, or hives, and angioedema, where a wheel is an itchy or burning superficial red or pale skin swelling, usually surrounded by erythema, which can persist from a few minutes to 24 hours or so. Angioedema, on the other hand, is swelling within the deeper dermal layers of the skin or mucous membranes that can take up to three days to settle. Wheels and angioedema can occur together in up to around 40% of cases, but angioedema may also occur on its own. Urticaria affects up to one in four people at some time in their lives, and this can be classified by duration, being acute or chronic, and also by cause, whether spontaneous or inducible but two or more different subtypes of urticaria may coexist in one person. So, acute urticaria is the daily or episodic occurrence of wheels, angioedema, or both, for under six weeks, and this is often idiopathic, but it can be triggered by allergies. Chronic urticaria, however, is the daily or episodic occurrence of wheels, angioedema, or both, for six weeks or longer, sometimes for years. Chronic spontaneous urticaria, or CSU, refers to chronic urticaria that has no obvious cause or trigger and causes wheels to occur on most days for six weeks or more. Now, this used to be known as chronic idiopathic urticaria, but this term's really fallen out of favour now because many cases of CSU have an autoimmune basis. CSU is more common than you might think. Up to 1% of the UK population is believed to be affected by it, and it can affect children or adults, with females being twice as likely than males to be diagnosed with CSU. It's more common in older children and adolescents than infants, but people aged 20 to 40 are most likely to develop symptoms, and the lifetime prevalence of chronic urticaria is just under 2%. Now, the wheels in CSU can affect any part of the body, and in my experience, these tend to be distributed widely, and they can range in size from a few millimetres to several centimetres across, typically coloured white or red with a red flare. 
They can last from a few minutes to an hour or two, and they can also alter their shape before slowly disappearing. The angioedema is much more localised and typically affects the face in my experience, presenting as swollen lips or eyelids classically. But it also can affect the hands, feet and genitals. Some patients with CSU also sometimes report systemic symptoms during an episode, with the usual ones reported being headaches, joint pains and swelling, fatigue, palpitations, and sometimes a flushed face and wheezing. As you might imagine from its name, CSU has no known trigger. But it is interesting that there's a strong association between CSU and other immune disorders, especially autoimmune thyroid disease. So it's no coincidence that thyroid problems are higher in people with CSU. If you take the time to speak to people with CSU, it really gives you an idea as to how distressing and debilitating the condition can be for them, and how all areas of their lives can be affected, including low mood, fatigue, altered sleep and social isolation, or relationship problems. Its unpredictable nature is very frustrating, and it means it can randomly affect daily activities, including leisure and work. Now, diagnosing CSU can sometimes feel an art rather than a science, and so a careful history and examination is always critical. I personally make the diagnosis based on a history lasting over six weeks of daily or episodic wheels that last less than 24 hours without the presence of any obvious physical trigger factors. In the history, I always ask about the onset, frequency, and distribution of wheels, and whether there's any associated angioedema or other symptoms such as joint pain, fever, and abdominal cramps. Asking about a family history of CSU is important, as are any food or drug triggers, links to stress, and other allergies. Regarding blood tests, international guidelines recommend limiting these in most patients with CSU to a differential blood count and an ESR and CRP. Now, unfortunately, there's no cure as such for CSU. So the aim of treatment is to try to achieve symptom control. So this holistic approach can involve identifying and eliminating any underlying causes, avoiding aggravating factors, non-steroidal drugs would be a good example here, and using pharmacological treatment to prevent mast cell mediator release or to prevent the effects of mast cell mediators. And personally, the stepwise approach to medication I usually take with CSU is to start with licensed doses of a cost-effective second-generation antihistamine, such as cetirizine, for example, 10 milligrams daily for two to four weeks. If there's no symptomatic benefit after this time, then unlicensed doses can be used doubling to 10 milligrams twice daily, and maintained on this for two to four weeks. Again, if this doesn't work, double it again to 20 milligrams twice daily. Maintain it for two to four weeks to de determine efficacy. Treatment obviously should always be at the lowest effective and tolerated dose. But if treatment still remains unsuccessful, I then move on to fexofenadine. It's important to start at a decent dose, 
180 milligrams twice daily. The specialists have found that patients with CSU are highly unlikely to derive benefit on lower doses if they're unresponsive to maximum doses of cetirizine. This dose of fexofenadine can be doubled to 360 milligrams twice daily. In other words, a total daily dose of 720 milligrams. If the maximum dose is reached, it should be maintained for four weeks before it's deemed that treatment has failed. If that is the case, then referral should then be made for consideration of further treatments. Now, these can include omalizumab, which is a fully human monoclonal antibody that causes a suppressed activation of mast cells and basophils and a reduced inflammatory response. This has been shown to be effective and well tolerated in the treatment of CSU and has been shown to improve angioedema as well as quality of life and is also suitable for long-term use. The typical dose, in my experience, for the treatment of CSU is 300 milligrams by subcutaneous injection every four weeks, although some patients can achieve symptom control with a dose of 150 milligrams every four weeks. Cyclosporin is a specialist treatment reserved for patients with severe refractory CSU, but it isn't recommended as a standard treatment due to the risk of significant adverse effects. Evidence for the efficacy of systemic corticosteroids in CSU is limited, but a short course may occasionally be considered for severe exacerbations of chronic urticaria. CSU does have a high rate of remission, up to 80% in 12 months in some studies, but the other side of that coin is that symptoms have been reported to last for longer than one year in up to 20% of patients and for more than five years in around 10%. So it does seem we still have a lot of work to do to help our patients with CSU find treatments that work consistently well and for the long term. So that's a quick overview of chronic spontaneous urticaria, and I do hope you found this podcast helpful. Please have a look at the show notes that accompany this episode at gpnotebookpodcast.com, and we'd be very grateful if you'd consider following the podcast and leaving us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Feel free to get in touch via social media at gpnotebook or email support at gpnotebook.com if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future podcasts. You should also visit us at gpnotebookeducation.com to register for our virtual GP Notebook study groups and download free resources and shortcuts to help improve the lives of our patients in primary care. Thank you for listening. And, as always, until the next time, goodbye.